Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. Hey, welcome back for episode two of Snapshots in Hockey History. My name is Brett Small, and here at Snapshots in Hockey History, we relive the hockey highlight reel. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. It's good to have you. Just want to remind everybody, Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge. If you like what you hear, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I can't tell you how much of a huge difference that makes. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media at Snapshots in Hockey History and Snapshots in on Twitter. I can't thank enough all the new members that followed us on Facebook and on Twitter and those that checked out our website. So, now that we got that out of the way, happy Thanksgiving to my friends up north of the border. It was great seeing hockey back. So excited. I was actually at opening night. As some of you know, I live in the Washington, D.C. area, so I was actually there at opening night where I saw the Washington Capitals smash the Boston Bruins. I think it was like 7 nothing. It was interesting. Lars Eller got into a fight with Marchand. I don't think Lars Eller had ever fought. I will say Marchand, I think, got the better of it. But more importantly, the highlight of the evening for me was seeing the banner raised. I've been a Caps fan, God, for as long as I can remember. I'm in my mid-30s now, so God, probably since I was 5 or 6. So it was nice to see kind of the community, everybody get together. With hockey opening, it means the return of Hockey Night in Canada. I actually didn't discover Don Cherry and Ron McLean until probably five years ago. We never saw them in the States. It wasn't until NHL Network started airing the Hockey Night in Canada games that I really found out even who those guys were, despite being a hockey fan all my life. I wish I could have heard Don and Ron argue in the late 80s and the 90s, especially when the league was changing with the Iron Curtain coming down and players defecting, things along those lines. I'm sure Don had tons of opinions on that. We actually talk about players defecting in a few of the upcoming episodes and how they had to risk their lives to get here. And it must have been crazy. I can't even imagine being in that situation where I'm willing to risk my life and risk my family's life to come to another country. But then again, I really can't imagine my life where I'm told what to eat, what to wear, where to play hockey, things along those lines. So I'd really like to get somebody on here that can talk about and do a whole episode on defection. So if anybody knows Sergei Fedorov, drop me an email. I would love to chat with him. brettsmall84 at gmail.com. I really enjoyed last week's episode with Mike Lawler, and I hope you did too. As I mentioned previously, Mike is a great guy. And you can tell from talking to him, that was a really special point in his life. And that's the point of this podcast. I want guys like Mike Lawler to be remembered and to take us back and walk us through the moments in time. I want people to hear about Patrick Waugh, Claude Lemieux, and Chris Nyland. These are the guys that paved the way for a lot of today's players. And I feel like the NHL has not done a great job documenting its history. So having Mike come back and relive the 1986 Montreal Canadiens playoff run and and winning the Stanley Cup, I think it was just a a fantastic episode. I think it went really well, and I appreciate all the feedback I've gotten from different people. We have a pretty tough guy on this week. Grant Jennings joins us, and man, Grant made me laugh and cry. He was great. He was really funny. He talks about Mario Lemieux, a player they called Poodle, as well as being challenged by NHL fans. We ended up picking up the interview just right around when he got traded from the Hartford Whalers and headed over to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and we covered the first two rounds in this interview. Also, please take note, he talks a little bit about Eddie Johnson. So keep in mind, EJ stands for Eddie Johnson, who was the GM of the Hartford Whalers. I'm going to go ahead and stop talking. Please, once again, can't thank you guys enough for all the feedback. If you like what you hear, please, please, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. I can't tell you how much that helps. It really makes a huge difference with Apple's algorithms. Please don't forget to follow us on social media. Here's part one of our interview with Grant Jennings. Sit back, relax, as we go back to 1990. You started the 90-91 season in Hartford. How were things going for you guys up in Connecticut? 
I started there in '88, actually. Well, right, but the season, the '90-'91 season, you oh, started there. The, the yeah. one where the one where we got traded. Yeah. I mean, that's when Rick Rick Lee was the coach, and we started. We had gone to playoffs the two years prior that I was there. We played Montreal the one year, and we played Boston the next year. The second year, we took Boston to seven games, and we lost to them. And then they went to the finals that year. That was would have been '80. Or that would have been 1990, I think, 89-90. So, I mean, we had a hell of a year the year before. We were really close, you know. I mean, that was the Adams division back then. So, that was a pretty tough division to come out of uh, with Boston, Montreal. I mean, Buffalo was in it. But but anyway, we came close. And then we started, like you said, the uh, 90-91 season. I don't even know what our record was when we got traded, to tell you the truth. But that year, uh, like, Rick Lee took... Ronnie Francis is COA, and he was just getting in the guys' heads. He was just being a – he wasn't a, being a player's coach. He was just sure. – he, you know, he'd, he'd call me into the office. He'd sit there and smoke a cigar, and he'd just – he'd kind of bitch at me. And he goes, you, you don't deserve to be in this league. And he would just try and put guys – I wasn't the only one. He was putting down, you know, a lot of guys. And when the trade came up, I mean, I was like – packing my bags and running out of there pretty much you know i mean um the only player he liked on that team was pat for for some reason and uh the rest of us he could do done without but i mean that's not how you treat guys in the nhl but he soon found out but you, know. you touched on it do you recall why ron francis had the c taken off him in december no i don't it was just a it was like rick lee's way of trying to shake things up and get more out of his players but like i said i mean there's you know ways to treat sure. players and, and maybe he had an experience before that in junior or something when he was coaching in junior or something that worked for him and he got more out of the out of his players by uh, putting them down or and or you know taking the the c away from a guy and giving it to another guy i mean it it backfired on on him obviously and i was supposed to go to this hartford whaler reunion this year uh they have this thing incorporated with the baseball team there they have in hartford and i guess rick lee was there this year i was gonna go up and shake his hand and say thanks for the trade you know (laughs) (laughs) give him a little little shot back there over the bow you know i just it's funny you mentioned that i just did an interview with alan hangslaven and he went up there for that and we talked a little bit about ricky lay you know it it seems like the whalers had their good years kind of in the wha and then yeah Throughout the late 80s, it was okay, and then the 90s, it just kind of died. But back to you, was even the trade, you know, were you even, that even on your radar? Were you even thinking that was a possibility you were going to go somewhere? Prior to that, I don't know. I I don't, I was hoping I would get traded, but I didn't think just because of how he was playing us, and I'm sure that putting out, you know, rumors that this guy's no good or whatever the case, I thought I was going to be stuck there in Hartford for a while. But when it happened, I mean, well, EJ called me the night the night of the trade. He said, you're getting traded to Pittsburgh. This is 10 o'clock at night. He goes, we haven't worked out the other deals, the rest of the deal, but you're you're going. Uh, and I said, okay. He goes, you'll find out who's going with you in the morning when we get it worked out. And I said, oh, okay. He goes, you, you're on a, you got a 6 o'clock flight to Pittsburgh. And I'm like, oh, okay, pack a bag. And I, you know, <clears throat> I got up in the morning, read the, read the news. Ron Francis and Ulf Samuelson is going with me. And I'm like, wow. I was going to say, that was a pretty big trade. Geez, yeah. I mean, uh, and then I looked to see what they were getting back. You know, I was like, who are they trading back? You know, I mean, it was like John Cullen, uh, Zarley Zalapsky, Jeff Parker. And I mean, yeah, it uh, was surprising, but I was happy to get out of there. You know, it was just, it was, just wasn't going well for any of us really. And uh, 
and we went to a team that was just, you know, just waiting for us kind of thing. But as soon as we landed, I mean, you know, we had, we had a game that day. We played Vancouver, I remember. I actually scored in the game, the first game there. <laughs> I was going to say, you had an awesome game. They were 0-4-1 yeah. in their prior five games, and you get there, and yeah. you re-energize that team. You have a goal oh. while you're out there. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, I remember, like, we just went on a run, on a tear. You know, the team really wasn't used to seeing guys play defense like we did, and it just they, we just meshed. And, you know, we'd go to a shopping center or something like to get some groceries or something that'd be mean off you and everybody would just stop and stare and point at us you know it's like that's those guys you know they that's those guys that came from Hartford those you know so did you spend a lot of time with Ron and with Samuelson once you guys came over or did you did someone from Pittsburgh kind of take you under their wing no we, when we got traded there they put us in a hotel kind of a with, a, with apartments Ronnie brought his wife and Alfie brought his wife Sparingly, but I mean, I was I wasn't married at the time, so I had a girlfriend. But anyway, it, me and Alfie kind of hung out a little bit because they gave us a car to share, and um, you know, like I said, we would go get groceries or stuff like that. But basically, we were staying at a hotel right down from the igloo. I mean, it was like a block away from the igloo, so basically, it was just hockey and sleep and travel you know so, so you were just living i mean you were just getting adjusted who well did anybody welcome you from the penguins did you know the gm or badger bob johnson come and say hello well geez that's a good question i can't remember it was so early that day <laughs> that's true it's, it's, someone, someone picked us all up and uh, i think i think no we didn't uh, uh someone they had a limo for us there to pick us up at you know whenever we got there it was 7:30 in the morning or something like that or eight in the morning they took us right to the rink and then you know we had pregame skate that day so we met everybody it was like you know here's the fire jump into it you know so that's just the way trades work and it was your first night as you alluded you scored a goal you played quite a bit of time um the next game though you end up having to play against the kings and i ask every defenseman this that i I talk to how the heck do you defend against wayne gretzky in the los angeles kings in the early 90s i remember that yeah that was pretty tough um yeah i mean you can't I mean, I was a physical player, and, and you you can't be physical with him. I mean, because if you do try and stand him up or whatever, he'll just peel off and make you look, you know, he'll dish the puck off or whatever he'll do, but he'll just t- take you out of the play with himself, and you'll just kind of look silly. So basically it was kind of a containment thing. Push him into a corner where he had to make two one of two passes instead of one of five in a sense, you know. Oh, so you kind of almost concentrate him in a corner so that way you just take away his options. Yeah. Okay. Don't let him get behind the net because he'll make you look silly, you know. Whatever you did worked. You guys win that game. Oh, yeah. And what are your – so you've been in the Civic Arena now a couple times. What was the Igloo like? Well, they were just excited to to see some defense. The fans, you know, I mean, being sports fans there, Steelers, you know, all about defense and running the ball. I mean, so – uh, when we got there, it was, seemed to be like they were. It was we were a breath of fresh air to the fans in a sense. To you know, they had all the offense they needed. It was just a matter of looking after the uh, other side of the rink, you know, so the other end of the rink. So um, the people were really uh, receptive of us and, uh, and how we played. You know, like blocking shots and playing physical and all of that it, that went along with that, and they loved it. You know, I mean, they like hard hitting defensive sports you know <laughs> sure sure and, I mean, and and you might have alluded to this already but you know th- like i said they were zero four and one 
the day of the trade. And then you come over, they yeah. win two games. Yeah. You know, they had so much talent on this team. You had Brian Trottier, Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager. Why do you think they were yeah. struggling? Yeah, the morale was, the morale was, you could just tell when we got there, the guys were so appreciated of once they saw us play and how we played that they were just appreciated of, of like how we played the game in a sense, you know, and, and they got, things started making sense. I mean, Badger was like, probably had a different game plan in a sense of, the way he approached the game because he had that other aspect of the game on his side and you know when you win everything everything's great i mean even you know mario everybody just started having fun again is the way i seen it i mean the guys were looking forward to coming to the rink i mean including us i mean we were in that kind of that glut there in, in hartford in a sense you know it was like oh geez you know we got to practice and get yelled at again or something but when you go to the other flip side of that and you start winning and start making a plan for a run it's it's pretty exciting and and fun to be a part of a few games go by and next thing you know the team is six zero and one you guys as you just said have to be getting excited but march 9th there was a game that had to probably be a bizarre feeling for you you go back to the hartford uh civic center can you take me back and you know what were your emotions that had to be an emotional game for you just being back there well, yeah, of course, we had, you know, I had been there three years, and we had a lot of friends, you know, in the stands, you know, close friends and stuff, and we went in there, and I mean, I wanted the game to get over quickly, because, right. you know, it was uh, emotional to, to go back there, and but it was nice to perform and show them what they lost, I mean... That upset a lot of people, that trade. It upset a lot of uh, people in Hartford, for sure. And, you know, especially letting Ronnie go and, and then Alfie and me. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, there weren't as big of hockey fans as, say, in Toronto or Montreal, where the management would have been strung up for making that trade. But it was, it was bittersweet going back, you know, and, like I said, showing them that they made a mistake. And we did. Every time we uh, won a series, like going into the playoffs, I guess EJ was, Eddie Johnson would get angrier and angrier you know? <laughs> i heard that they like they beat they won again they won again you know they won again you know and then when we won the cup it was i'm sure that was the icing on the cake that was a little bit more salt in the wound i mean i did a lot of research for the interview reading back the old newspaper articles it sounds like a lot of the fans there was a huge amount of backlash in hartford after the trade so, still is yeah you know i mean they still talk about it you know i mean the team isn't even there anymore and they still talk about it so yeah it had to be it. And as I mentioned before, a few games go by. And next thing you know, the team is 6-0-1. You guys have brought a ton of energy to that locker room. At the same time, Scotty Bowman is working as the director of player development and recruitment for the Penguins. Did you have much interaction with him? I, I feel like you talk to the coach, I'm sure. You interact with the GM a little bit. But what about, are you seeing him around no, at all? No, not with Scotty at all. Not when we first got there. Of course, once Badger passed away there the next summer, and then they named scotty head coach then we had you know then we kind of introduced ourselves but we he was in the back he was in the shadows back then like the first year we got there i never i don't think i even met him i don't remember meeting him at all or anything he just stayed out of the way you mentioned uh badger bob i hear that this guy was like the most positive guy in hockey is that true yeah yeah he was he was uh not like coming from what we came from like in hartford it was just like a you know sunshine and uh, <laughs> i mean you know he would after a practice like i didn't i wasn't a practice player okay never was still aren't but he'd go hey jenny come on let's go ride the bike you know he would actually go and ride the bike with me just so i would ride the bike after practice. <laughs> <laughs> he 
he would only stay on there for but he'd five minutes and he'd talk to me and he's like you know but he's so nice about it you know he never got mad and one time one game we got blown out i remember just before playoffs and he come in there and he was all positive and stuff and we we're just all looking at each other after he walked out of the room we're like did we just get our asses kicked you know, we, <laughs> yeah oh okay so anyways uh you know when he before the games he'd have this little hockey board and he'd have pucks, and he'd have guys' pitchers on the puck for us, and then he'd have to have, like, the numbers of the other team, and he'd have their jerseys, pitchers on the on the pucks and stuff, and we would go through, like, power plays and stuff like that. And he'd sit there, and he'd shuffle his stuff around with a stick and stuff, and we were just, like, laughing a little bit. But, you know, he was always, like you said, he was always positive, and he was, he was a pleasure to play for, for sure. And unfortunately, yeah. the last game of the year, you got a separated shoulder. It looks like you collided with Chris King in the last game against the Rangers. No, I, I, I collided with uh, Madonna. Oh, it was Madonna. Yeah, I actually talked to Madonna about that. Uh, we had that uh, uh, benefit concert for the Humboldt Broncos in Saskatoon in May. He was there for that. But, like, Joe Sackick was there. A bunch of guys uh, came back for it just to, you know, meet with parents and stuff like that. It was, But anyway, I talked to Mike about it. I said... And but he told me a story about the about the goalie, Casey, and what happened to him. After. It was to do with his wife and get and getting in his head and all that. But uh, Mike Madonna was the one that actually separated my shoulder before the final. You know, yeah, it was before the. the oh, so that game. was actually in the finals. No, it was during the finals. Yeah. Oh, because it looks like from what I read, and I could be wrong from reading in the papers. Um, it looks like towards the end of the season, you got a separated <laughs> shoulder against Chris King. Yes, I did. Yeah, 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 and then. So then I, that's why I didn't play the first part of the Jersey series, the first round. I want to touch on that, but but before we do that, I want to talk about Chris King because I feel like his uh-huh. name, he's responsible. I see his name all the time where guys were you know taken out by Chris King. Guys have a broken ankle because of Chris King. No, I don't know. I, I He never bothered me much. I mean, I knew he, he hits, but I mean, I, well, I he was at camp when I was there, you know, with the oh, that's right. And, so he, you know, I was known for a little more than physical play too, so Chris would never dropped the gloves with me so it was, it was like i mean he he went, ran around and hit guys so i but you know he got a good lick on me and yeah okay if, if that if he was the guy that did it i i believe it you know i don't remember but yeah he just seems like a guy that seemed not dirty but just incredibly tough to me yeah um, he was a tough guy antagonizer kind of i mean he would scrap just not someone like me but uh but anyway yeah i know he was an honest player I, I, he wasn't dirty i mean and he he was kind of along the lines of like a claude lemieux maybe a little little honester <laughs> cleaner but <laughs> but uh but anyway yeah yeah so first round the penguins are going on to play the new jersey devils as you said the devils had a little bit of a rough season they had a coaching change bringing back tom mcveigh and yeah. um this is just a few years after wayne gretzky called them the mickey mouse organization of the nhl oh right they're known for being a little undisciplined what yeah. in 1991 are the penguins thinking about the New Jersey Devils, or, or better yet, what is the what's the reputation within the league of the New Jersey Devils organization? Oh, geez, I, you know, wow, how long ago was that? But anyway, um, <laughs> I, like, well, when I separated my shoulder, basically, uh, I was sitting in the stands and I watched that whole series from the stands. You know, I just remember them like Verbeek was playing for, or was it Verbeek? No, not Verbeek. Yeah, Bruce Shanahan Driver, with him. Driver was with him. Shanahan. Yeah, Shan. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And I, all I remember was that final game there, when uh, Frankie held his glove up and who was it? Stasny put it right in there, or the guy at the open net. I don't know who it was. And Peter Angelo made that amazing save where he just yeah, stuck his save, glove up. Yeah. 
Otherwise, we would have been out right there. That was the seventh game, right? It was a it was a great series. I mean, game one was a yeah. rough one. Game two was a huge win for you guys. Mario Lemieux becomes the all-time leading playoff scorer with 22 goals. We can't get through an interview about the Pittsburgh Penguins without talking about Mario. Right. Can you tell me your relationship, your impressions? How was Mario with you? Just tell me. Let's, let's talk about uh, Mario. Well, I mean, Mario's like a diff- different level, of course. But he sat two down for me in the locker room. Two, two down to my left. And he was a quiet, quiet leader, you know. So while he just down he's like jenner he'd shake his head and laugh at me or something from what i'd done <laughs> yeah he's, you know but but as for uh we'd go out you know once in a while they go out uh, for dinner on the road and they'd ask me to come with them like him brasso and you know recce or so, some of the top guys and you know they just want me along for some security reasons or and you know you know he took care of me once in a while and like i said though on, on, when we're at home of course everybody's with their families or whatever you said security reasons it's the early 90s. Do you guys ever get challenged while you're out or guys get drunk at a bar? I'm not talking about your teammates, but, you know, oh, a, yeah. a fan comes up to you and challenges you, says, hey, I see you on TV. You're a pretty tough guy. Yeah, that happened to me in Hartford. Uh, I went back for a checkup on my shoulder. I had surgery, and as soon as the season was done, the next day I was in under the knife, and then I came back in August, I think it was, to, for a checkup, and I went out to one of my friends that owned this bar restaurant, and... I was there, you know, I still had stitches in there. Anyways, oh, and, anyway, this guy runs into me in there, you know, and I, hey, watch where you're going. And he goes, you want to go outside? And I'm like, yes, I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I start following this guy out. It's loud music, whatever. I'm, I'm like, I go downstairs to the next level. I'm going to go outside. I'm like thinking, no, nah, this is a bad idea. <laughs> so I go back upstairs and uh, I'm ha- hanging with some friends and blah, blah, blah. And, so two in the morning, the, the place lets out. And I, the manager of the place or whatever, he's a friend of mine. He walks me out, and all of a sudden, guess who's waiting for me? <laughs> this guy and two of his buddies. So he starts walking towards me, yipping at me. Boom, I drop him, right? Down one punch him. His other buddy comes at me, same thing. Boom, down he goes. And then another buddy starts coming, and guess who's watching the whole thing? The police are watching the thing. Oh. They come over, and they're like, you're coming with us. You're getting, we're charging you with assault. And I'm like, what? I go, I'm just protecting myself, blah, blah, blah. And anyways, they started roughing me up a little bit and they threw me in the car. And uh, anyways, they arrested me for assault. So the next day in the Hartford Current, <laughs> yep, Whalers Jennings arrested for assault, front page of the sports, right? Jesus. Uh, and, was, and then EJ calls down. And he's like, Jenner, what happened last night? You know, and I'm like, well, these guys picked the fight with me and didn't work out too well for him. But he goes, well, you better get take care of it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I call the I, I call the court because I got this court date, right? And I'm like, I call the court clerk and I say, hey, can I get this changed? Because I'm heading back to Canada till uh, September. She goes, no. I said, okay, click. And I left anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I missed my court date. <laughs> so, I don't know, right? I'm like. I don't know. So I guess guess what? I have a felony warrant for my arrest in Connecticut. Oh my god! Oh yeah. So then you know, of course, NHL security gets a hold of it, and they call my dad's house where I'm staying here in Saskatchewan. My mom and dad's house. My dad. I come home from something uh, training or whatever, and my dad's like, "Hey, what what happened down there?" I said, "No, nothing. I just got into a bar fight. No big deal." He goes, "Well, doesn't sound like it." He goes, "You better call this guy." So I call this guy, and I anyway, I had to get a lawyer, and I got my wrist slapped, and. Don't be doing this in my jurisdiction. And I got, you know, put down to a misdemeanor. So, yeah. 
and it ends all well. And now, twenty years later, we have a great sure, story. Sure, yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't have a record or anything like that, but but yeah, like getting back to your question, yes, you know, it it happens even once in a while still. But me, I now I'm like I don't even really I don't even go out hardly at all anymore. I mean, like fifty three, you know. But you know, when I go like to a beer gardens or something like that to to see my kid play, my kid's a musician. In Alaska and Anchorage, you you got all these kid, you know, these guys walking around, and you know, it's just like, yeah. I just stand my back to the wall, and if I see any sign of trouble, I'm out the door. You know, I I get it, I get it, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So game two also goes into overtime. Yarmir Yager scores a huge goal. Yeah. He was probably what 19 at the time. Yeah, that's when he jumps in the air <laughs> and his finger got his glove off. And yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. So yeah, he hit, I remember like playing against him. Okay. Before the trade, and I was like, they were saying, "Hey, this kid's going to be good." And I'm like, "Really?" I'm like, "I think he think he's kind of horseshit to me." But anyway, you know, he was like you said, he was young, and you know, I hadn't figured everything out yet, and you know, inconsistent a little bit, blah blah blah. And then, of course, you know. As playoffs went on, you know, he just got better and better. And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, even though, you know, he had long hair and I called him Poodle, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I gave him, I gave him credit. I gave him credit when credit was due for sure. I mean, did you guys ever, he probably didn't speak much English at the time, but did you guys ever grab a beer off the ice or anything? Uh, he didn't really, he didn't drink a lot, you know? I mean, he didn't do, I mean, he was all about the girls, but I got to ride with him a couple times to the rink and he was driving this IROC. Z, right? This God, Z. I remember those. And then he had a, a Dodge. It wasn't a Mitsubishi twin turbo, but it was a Dodge, whatever they are, the sports car they used to make back in the day. Ugly little thing. But anyways, he would be getting all these. Sp- I rode with him to the rink one time. And I'm like, just, I'm like, get me out of this car. He just <laughs> speeds, you know, he just can't drive. He's just, just dumb, right? And when it comes to driving, he just, I'd say, hey, dude, you know, you're going to get a speed ticket. Oh, I don't, I don't care. I just pay. So anyways, that went on for a while there, his first first couple of years, and he would just he just thought, well, he just pays the ticket and that's it. Well, you have to explain to him, no, there's a point system here, Yags. You know, you're gonna lose your license. So one time he got a speeding ticket and he ripped up the ticket right in front of the cop. And this is in Pittsburgh. You don't do that. And the cop went to the chief of police. The chief of police called down to the rink and said, "Who is this?" And if he doesn't come down here pay his ticket and apologize we will come down to the rink and arrest him today <laughs> so like, oh my god so you know i mean craig patrick's like what what happened you know blah blah so anyways he got tuned in pretty quick after that happened about speeding tickets and uh cor- being cordial to an officer <laughs> game three is uh is april 9th <laughs> it's another pittsburgh penguins win jelly mullen returns back from injury and scores his first goal back um oh yeah from his acl yep yeah there was so much depth on this team. Brian Trottier, Joey Mullen. I mean, I think a lot of people forget about those guys. Yeah. Did any of those veterans take you under their wing? Oh, I don't think they wanted to. No, <laughs> I, no I mean, I was kind of uh, I was kind of already established. They knew what they were going to get out of me. And when it comes to playoffs, I mean, I'd played in playoffs two years prior, you know, the two seasons prior. So... The players know, I, I would say, I mean, Trotz, I mean, we listened to him in the locker room. I mean, of course, you right. know, when he said something, you knew he had the, he knew what he was talking about, you know. Right. So you would listen. I mean, you know, even Mario would listen. This is what we did back in 77 or whatever. Whatever year it was, right. Yeah, you know, and uh, be like, oh, okay, you know. 
Game four, the Devils win four to one. Paul Coffey gets hit up with a high stick by Fatisov and Bob Johnson says it was deliberate. Yeah, right. Do you, you know, it's been 25 years. Was it clean? Was it not clean? What are your thoughts? <sighs> Is that when he broke his jaw? It was. Yeah, that, uh, I mean, I don't trust that hit. Fair enough. That was a questionable hit, uh, on, in my opinion. Game five, your, uh, your, your shoulder's finally healed up. You get into this first game. You know, it's game five for you. This is a pretty good series. What do you, what do you remember about that first game? I don't remember at all. Did I play in the series? You did. You did. You played in game five. Did um, I? Oh, man. Wow. But then you were, you were scratched in game six. Yes. I must, have, I must have re-injured it or something because I don't remember. I don't remember playing much at all. Because I must have went out there, or they must have just dressed me in case they needed. I don't know. Well, what was the series at at that point? I mean, it was uh, Game Six. Let me see what it was. Three um, to two for something. Yeah, something like that. You guys were. You guys were down. down. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think I got frozen. They froze up my. Uh, gave me a little sh- freeze there, and I went out and played, but it wasn't quite ready. So they. That's when they rested me for Game Six, and then. And game six, Peter Angelo makes that amazing save that we talked yeah. about earlier. Yeah. We hear all about Tom Barrasso. How was Peter Angelo? Frankie was a nice, uh, loose guy, you know, always smiling, laughing, making jokes and stuff. He was, I mean, there was him and Wendell. Well, Wendell Young was the next year, I guess. Uh, something like that. that, yeah. Well, we had three goalies that year, though. We had him, Wendell Young, and... And Barrasso, yeah. And then and Barrasso, Young got yeah, taken so... by Tampa in the expansion draft. Yes, okay. But, yeah, so Frankie, I mean, he was just... Just a happy-go-lucky guy. I mean, he was just a nice guy. For a goalie, he was pretty normal. I love it. I love it. You guys win Game 7, and this is a series I'm excited to talk to you about. You're getting ready to play the Washington Capitals. You know, (laughs) the Capitals fans always look at Pittsburgh as a rivalry, but I don't think Pittsburgh really looks at the Capitals as a big rivalry. But at the time, who were the Capitals' big guns? At the time, well, I had Pavanka and Hunter, you know, and Bondra, Johansson on the defense, and... I mean, I'd have to look at the. I'd have no, to you nailed it. Lineup, but I mean, I knew all of those guys pretty much. You know, I mean, you nailed it. Um, I mean, uh, well, they knew me. I didn't really have too many run-ins with anybody. Well, Cicerelli, besides well, him, and that's who I was going to actually there. ask about. Is game one you guys lose, but Dino Cicerelli is camped out in front of the net the entire time. How hard is it to move a guy like him, even though he's only five? Not that hard to move. Well, I mean, he he you can move him out, but he's just going to come right back. He's like a mosquito you know he's like you know you can shoe him but he's just going to keep coming around but you just had a battle a guy like that i mean they, they would play me against him quite a bit just because of that fact is i mean it was just a battle i mean he was a lot quite quite a bit smaller than me but he he was down there and take it and he'd dish it out too he scored some big goals for him too but uh game two you're given a sweater game one you were still out paul coffee's playing okay. with a full face shield and is elbowed by dale hunter oh yeah Hunter seems to be one of these guys that everybody loves to hate. Yeah. Yeah. He was there when I left Washington. So we got along pretty well. I actually, you know, I, he was kind of a friend to me, but uh, we got on the ice there and he did that. And then I kind of took a run at him and uh, basically settled him down without words. Fair enough. Uh, You know, he, uh, I'm not saying that he stopped gaining or whatever. No, no, but he scaled it back. Yeah. I was that or I'm going to do the same to him kind of thing. So, And I, he was definitely a talker throughout your career. Did you ever hear any good chirps? I'm sure you must have heard hundreds. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you guys would go after 
some guy's weak points or if he'd been in trouble before or, you know, he's married to a stripper or whatever. It was just, it was fair game. Now, I mean, you know, you can't sit, you, you gotta be careful what you say about people because of social media, number one, and everybody's so sensitive, number two. And, you know, you, you, but back then it was just open season. You'd say whatever you wanted as long as the, the ref didn't, hear you too loudly there was a lot of chirping game three the penguins take the lead goals come from murphy lemieux stevens and trottier and games four and five the the penguins win kevin stevens yeah. is on a lightning goal scoring streak mark recce is leading the league in playoff scoring you've gotten into a few games now yeah you know going back and looking at the locker room what's the chemistry like between everybody right now are you guys feeling that okay we're going far yeah well, I mean, I remember that series. We were down what? Th- we were down three to two, weren't we? Or three to games? You were down games one. You were down one, and then um, you guys came back and won four in a row. Okay, well, right. You're so talking about we, the one we, the next we year. Three, we were yeah. down three games to one, right? No, 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 no. You're talking about the next year. The next year was oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay, this the first year though. We were sitting across each other, and we're like, we could beat these guys. I mean, it's just blatantly obvious that we can beat these guys so i mean that was just the attitude that went around the room you know we we're when we were down one or whatever it was i mean it was like we're better than these guys you know let's let's realize it let's figure this out man you know and we did and we came back like you said and went went on a tear who were you uh partnered up with at the time who were you playing d with i think i was playing with murph okay Larry, I think they kind of partnered me with him right away. They would put me with Alfie once in a while. Alfie would go play the right side, but uh, they wanted to keep us the defensive part of that. You know, they wanted to kind of spread it around in a sense. And Murph was like, you know, Murph was a goal scorer, offensive guy, always up the ice. And I was the uh, two on one specialist kind of thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I completely so I understand. Got used to that. I just got used to two on ones, zero once a game or whatever, you know. and that uh, was just the way we, we we worked well. We roomed together on the road, so I mean we were we got to know each other pretty well on and off the ice. Did anybody else think it was hilarious that he actually called Yarmir Yager poodle? And seriously, Yager was like, "Look, I'm driving down the road. I don't really care. Give me a ticket. I could care less." It's so funny hearing these stories all these years later. But what's even crazier to me, Yarmir Yager was still playing in the league last year. And it's been over 20 years. I feel like that guy will never go away. Anyways, it was cool to hear from Grant. I think you'll really enjoy part two of our episode. Thank you guys so much for stopping by. Please don't forget to follow us on social media at Snapshots in Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots In. Can't thank all the new followers enough. And I will see you guys again on Thursday. Take care.